Welcome to Curious and Candid, conversation with, conversations with those in pursuit of more. Today's guest is Sarah Byers. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you? I'm doing awesome. So, uh, Sarah, we're going to jump right into it. I've got four questions I like to ask all of my guests. I like to call them the conversational starter questions, just to kind of get the conversational ball rolling, so to speak. So, uh, the first question I would like to ask you is, how do you start your day? Is there any specific routine or ritual you like to stick to on most mornings and on most days? Yeah, definitely. Um, I and it I feel like it changes over sometimes, but um, yeah, I generally have a pretty solid morning routine or ritual. I I, I prefer I like that that word the of ritual. Um, and I wake up. I usually drink about like 20, 30 ounces of water as like in the morning as I'm going. Um, and you know, time of year kind of depends, but I either like to get outside for even just like a 10 minute walk. Um, if the, if it's nice out or do a little bit of mobility, short little yoga flow, just to kind of get, get my blood moving and kind of wake up a bit. Um, and then I, I hop in the shower and I, start with it warm, but I like to try and get a cold shower in the morning to kind of wake me up. Um, and, and then I, I meditate, even if, if I'm having a, I like early, early morning or don't have too much time, even if I sit down for two, three minutes and, and breathe and have a short little meditation period, um, that always helps to focus my mind and then, uh, get a good breakfast in some protein, some, uh, whole grains and, fuel up for the day. Awesome. Okay. Now I want to touch on the meditation aspect of your morning routine, if you don't mind. So, um, what, what does kind of like the, the meditation, cause obviously, um, those of us that are in the health and fitness industry, there's, um, meditation is kind of like a cool, uh, word nowadays. And, and there's all kinds of different types and forms of meditation, but let's say if you have, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes, you're not in a rush, you're not hurried, and you really have some time to tap into that meditation. Is there a specific meditation ritual that you practice or you like to practice? What does that kind of look like if and when you do have uh, maybe a little bit more time? Yeah. So, and again, this always, I, I try and be a uh, gentle with with like not forcing a certain, a certain way or a certain amount of time. Cause I found that if I did that as like, oh, I have to do 10 minutes of, of, you know, certain type of like breathing and, and mindfulness. And if I didn't hit that 10 minutes, I would feel, I'd feel guilt. And I, I was like, well, this isn't really helpful for me to start my day out feeling guilty. So kind of, yeah, it depends if I'm feeling really restless, I might do more of a, a moving meditation and just even have my meditation in, in, my walk or even a jog of some sort. Um, and, uh, and then, then sometimes I'll, I'll do like an open eye meditation where I'm, I'm kind of observing. So more, I guess, mindfulness in that sense. Um, and, uh, or then sometimes I'll just close my eyes and I will turn some, some, uh, some like ambient sound on and really just kind of even just box breathing to connect with the breath. And that's if my mind, if I, my body's physically restless, then I'll do the moving meditation. If my mind is kind of jumping all over the place, then I like to really connect with the breath to kind of bring, bring my mind to more still place. 
but it, it fluctuates and it changes. Hmm. Excellent. All right. Um, what uh, the next question here for our conversational starter question, Sarah, what's your favorite book or podcast? Um, and it's always, it would be hard for me to answer this question in terms of limiting, limiting each to one. So please, if there's more than one book, if there's more than one podcast, you share uh, as, as much as you would like in regards to those two questions. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, favorite books, uh, and I kind of, sometimes it goes back and forth, but if I'm wanting like something more of kind of an escapism type of book, I love any, I love, you know, the Lord of the Rings or, or the Hobbit is always a fun one to go back to. And I like how it just kind of is mystical and just kind of gets my mind, uh, just to think a little bit more, I don't know, creatively, I suppose. But the one book I always go back to, um, and I like to read it, I'll try to read it once a year, is uh, The Alchemist. And I've every time I've I read it, reread it, because it's, you know, short, short read, and usually can get through it in a day if I have the time, and um, uh, or just a few hours even. And I always find something new from it. So whatever I might be going through, in my life at that point, that book, yeah, it always, it always shows me something different every time. So I, I love The Alchemist. Uh, do you uh, listen to podcasts or not so much? Um, I, uh, some, I mean, not so much. I like to get more into them. Um, but I'm a big music girl. Um, so music is, is like, speaks to my soul and I, I believe it's kind of a language of this of the soul and and so I if I have my headphones on I I generally tune out to some some tune out and tune in to to some music okay so then I have to ask the question what's uh what's kind of like the go-to music I know or at least I'm assuming maybe different seasons and phases of your life there's different bands different types of music but if you're going to listen to a couple what what's the go-to for for you, Sarah. Go to. I'm a so classic rock um girl too. So Led Zeppelin's probably is probably my favorite band, all time favorite. <laughs> so I'll always that's always a good one to go back to. Um, you know, the Beatles always love that too. The Rolling Stones. Um, and I, uh, there I there's like this this guy who I kind of recently found. I'm sure he's been around for a long time, but it, it he goes with Bloom, I believe is his like name. And it's kind of this worldly, I think he's a German artist and then uh, maybe was raised in Indonesia. And so he's got some, it's more instrumental um, kind of worldly music and sound, which is always, I love that too. Very cool. Okay. I love listening to piano music. Oh, go too. ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just, I love listening to piano music too. Just, um, yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> love it. Um, okay. So uh, we're, we're fresh into 2024. So this is a really... Uh, 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 applicable question just for, um, you know, being the third day of January of 2024. So what life lesson, Sarah, have you been taught or did you learn, uh, over the previous or last year? Hmm. Oh, I suppose many, let me think of what I can, uh, the last year or so. I think this last year, just kind of reflecting on on this last few days too um this last year was the result of or the gift or suppose of of 
the years like previous years of some some darkness that I had and and uh, uh like a a few spiritual awakening so um yeah I think that this year kind of reminded me that to not lose belief or just belief in and faith um in the universe in myself and humanity and w- whatever it was just keeping the faith and if I kept if you keep that faith then something will happen something good or something difficult will turn into to something a, a gift and I think that was this year I was like oh yeah don't lose the faith even if it feels hard and even if one day you have to kind of just like I don't know want to say fake it but just kind of push through um that yeah uh, you something good will always come from from difficult times and uh just to not lose faith hmm. okay I want to uh kind of just follow up with you mentioned spiritual awakening can you uh share with us kind of like what that uh did look like or what that does look like for you and um what was kind of the impetus or the um factor that kind of caused you or um pushed you to use a word that you just used into that spiritual awakening yeah um i feel that so i've had i've had a number of spiritual awakenings through through my life um and to me it's it's always painful usually the actual process of it happening. And, um, it usually for me, it was, you know, triggered by life events, uh, some trauma that I experienced. And, um, at first it kind of looks like feeling, feeling really disconnected and lost and, and unsure of myself and, and my purpose. And, uh, and then, then having little moments of kind of light in there where maybe excitement or like feeling of freedom of, of a kind of like a blank slate, I suppose. And then ultimately um, I think coming back to myself and coming back to myself and and the universe, which I believe is a part of each of us um, that we're all kind of have our own little universes in us um, and reconnecting to the divine or, or my higher power, um, my spirituality. So usually, yeah, it's usually it's like first really feel disconnected, lost, not sure. And then having kind of being like a sponge sort of, and being able to reconnect with things I like to do, things I, things I forgot I, I was good at. And then, and then ultimately reconnecting with the, something bigger than myself. And, and then that then leads into, uh, wanting to be of service to, to others and, uh, yeah yeah it's definitely a process (laughs) um now uh is there like within this uh you know the the spiritual side of your personal being is there like a specific practice of spiritualism or spirituality i found this on the web for is there like a specific i'm so sorry my uh siri (laughs) just just like caught you and was like that's okay that's okay uh she she's listening yeah (laughs) um so uh, in terms of like the, uh, the spirituality or the spiritualism for yourself personally, Sarah, is there like a specific practice or is it more just kind of like a, a day-to-day, um, you know, intentionality that you kind of set within yourself? Yeah. Um, I don't, I, not like an organized, um, 
religion or anything like that for me. I think I take pieces from different things. Um, but yeah, definitely intentionality within myself and, um, you know, where I'm being conscious of, of what I'm, the energy and what I'm putting out into the world. And then what also what I'm accepting and letting come back into, into my world. Uh, one of the things too, I think more kind of along the lines of, of like maybe some Buddhism is, uh, learning to let go of, um, the outcome of, of certain things. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and just, yeah, intentionality and, and seeing, seeing the, seeing the, the beauty in, in, in everything. So the darkness, the, the, the difficult times, um, and, and then also connections to, other people I think is a spirit it's, it's also a very spiritual thing yeah did you uh we're going to get into your childhood and your upbringing um in a couple minutes here but since we're already at this point I want to ask you did you grow up in some sort of uh organized religion uh when you were younger and uh if so or if not how did that influence you in terms of kind of your perspectives as a as an adult uh at this point in your life yeah, I was from originally from the Midwest, um, Chicago, and I was raised it, like in a Catholic Catholic uh, religion. Um, and and not you know not knocking that it just and I it, that's something that was interestingly enough I would kind of went away from, and then when moments of were times where I I uh, was lost in those didn't really know where to go. Um, I found, I even found going into like a church, like a, like a cathedral type of thing. I felt a, a sense of peace. And I was like, well, what is, what is this about? Cause I don't, for me, that religion did bring a lot of guilt um, and mainly guilt with uh, some of, you know, just my life and, oh, I shouldn't be doing this or this is not good. Or I'm not, this is means I'm not a good person. Um, so that I drifted away from it, but I still understood or believed that I think all religions are kind of saying the same thing in different words. Um, and ultimately that there's something bigger than us that connects us all. And, and so I would, those moments I would find myself at sometimes even just going into in Santa Barbara, I live in Santa Barbara, like the mission up there. And there was this sense of like, of divine and like and say and a safe feeling. I think maybe that was associated with my family members too. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely interesting. Yeah, um, I've been doing this for it'll be six years. Uh, you know, in twenty twenty four, referring to podcasting. So I've literally had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these conversations like you and I are having right now, and um. It's, it's fascinating to, uh, you know, just uh, hear people's experiences in regards to what we refer to as organized religion, whether that's Catholicism, Christianity, Buddhism, Hinduism, whatever it is. Uh, you know, a lot of people had, you know, some really positive experiences in that organized religion in their childhood and growing up. A lot of people didn't, um, but it's just fascinating for me in, in my uh, position here uh, to just kind of see how 
um, you know, those childhood experiences specifically with organized religion, then, uh, you know, plays into uh, that individual's adulthood, um, whether they continue to practice that organized religion or not. So um, very fascinating. Let's, uh, let's wrap up our conversational starter question, Sarah, um, with uh, this final one here. Do you have a favorite quote, mantra, or word? And again, uh, as I said previously, if there's more than one, please uh, don't limit yourself just to, to one. Hmm. I, I always go back to uh, uh, do or do not. There is no try. I'm like a Star, Star Wars, Star Wars girl, too. Um, and to me, I just think about that, like, if I'm, if I'm going to do something that I that I I want to put out into the world or do something for myself, like, I'm just going to I'm going to do it. I'm not going to be I'm not going to question like if I can do it or if I should. I'm just I'm going to do it. And and something will, will come from it. Um, but, and I think, yeah, I think I, I mean, I definitely have things written down. I'm not great at remembering quotes and things like that. I remember feelings really well. And so if I remember a feeling of something I read, like, oh, I know that that like resonated with me. Um, but yeah, I think that one, that one's always one of my favorites. <laughs> Is, I want to, I just want to ask you, cause I'm, I'm, I'm curious uh, in terms of like, just like, like a single word. Um, is there a single word that resonates with you? Or as you mentioned, you're very in tune and in touch with uh, your, your feelings and, and how certain things affect your feelings. Is there a word that kind of gives you maybe like a, a positive vibe or a positive uh, feeling? And if so, what would that word or words be if, if there are any? Yeah. Um, uh, belief or faith and belief are, are um, to two really big ones for me. Um, and I guess trust kind of goes in there too. Um, and, uh, you think, um, yeah, faith, belief, trust, and, um, a freedom, freedom is a, a big one. Um, freedom of my, of my soul, freedom of my mind. Um, yeah. Connection too. connection. <laughs> Beautiful. Love it. Okay. Um, we're going to kind of transition at this point, Sarah, uh, into your backstory. So um, I would love to have you share with myself and all the listeners where you actually like physically grew up. And then um, uh, I would love it if you could just kind of paint that picture for us of what your childhood was like. So kind of start in those earlier uh, years um, and then just kind of walk us through up to high school. Um, you know, were you involved in extracurricular activities like sports and music and art and, or what have you? Uh, what was your relationship like with your mom and your dad? If they were present in your life, you have siblings, um, kind of just give us that full picture. Like I said, up through high school. And then once you get to high school, we'll stop and we'll kind of transition from that point, if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I'm originally from Chicago. Um, and I have a, an older sister. She's two years older than me, who actually lives right up the street from me. Um, now and uh yeah a great relationship with both of my parents they're they're you know we're a nuclear family so my parents are still together um and i had a i have a big ex like extended family on my both sides but on my father's side my dad was one of six kids and um all yeah everyone my my three so it was three three boys and then three girls and 
Um, my three aunts and their whole family, all their families um, live in the Chicago area. And so growing up, my cousins were my best friends. Um, my two, my sister and I and our two first cousins, um, we, we, yeah, it was just like this amazing built-in best friends. And I grew up with them. And um, we also had a really cool opportunity. So my great-grandparents, my dad's side, um, own, or they bought this beach cottage type of thing. It was part of a hotel. And it was actually this 18-room, three-story, like, big home on the lake in Lake Michigan. And they turned it into a bed and breakfast. And then my grandmother took over and my dad and his siblings every summer would go from uh, Southern Illinois to um, uh, Northern Michigan, this town called Charlevoix and run this bed and breakfast. And um, I, since I'm, my, I'm the second oldest of all of my cousins, I had the opportunity. I mean, we go up there every summer. It's still in our family. Now the houses, they tore it down. It's winterized. So you can live up there in the winter. Um, but we would spend our summers up there. My mom was a teacher, so she would have the whole summer off and we would go and, and stay up there. And, and so we were really close with our whole family. And that that was kind of a hub. That was the that's the one place that's been consistent in my life. Um the entire for the entire the entirety of it. And uh and so it was a yeah, that was a very special and is a very special, unique place that we keeps that side of my family very close. Um, my mom's side, my mom is from the South side of Chicago and a uh, smaller family. Uh, and, but all still very, very close. And uh, I guess part of my childhood was my grandmother passed away when I was on my mom's side, when I was four. And I, I remember her still very vividly. Um, I remember the, again, the feelings um, and, you know, little things about her. Um, but I also, because that happened at such a young age, um, death was a part of my life. And I, I questioned it. And I, when my grandmother passed away, I was like, well, what happens next? And so at four or five years old, I'm having some like existential questions, like why we're here, what, what, what happens when, you know, grandma's not here anymore, where is she going? And, and so that I interestingly, yeah, kind of started a spiritual journey pretty at a pretty young age. Um, and then, and I was younger, I was in elementary school. My dad was his work. He was transferred um, out to California and that, that we you know I've done a lot of work of kind of dissecting my life. And I realized like that was a huge, that kind of tore me up a lot um, because my, because my family was so close and um, I grew up with my cousins being my best friends. Um, we then to be moving to the other side of the country to this place that I didn't know. And I was a shy, I was shy um, as a kid. And so, it, and it was just a totally different place. Um, you know, my school and in Chicago was very diverse, full of different cultures and religions and, and ethnicities. And then I moved to, we moved to this town, which is a very safe town, but it was, it was just a hundred percent different. And I felt a hundred percent out of place. Um, in elementary school, girls were wearing like, like little high heel shoes. And I was just like, I was like kind of a little bit of a tomboy. And I was just like, 
this, I just, yeah, it just felt so off. It didn't, it, you know, so I felt, I felt very lost at, when I moved there as at a young age as well. Um, and, but, you know, kind of got into the groove of things and I, I struggled with um, academics. Um, so I had some learning disabilities, some, like dyslexia, ADHD. It was, you know, I had school was really hard for me. Um, the reading and writing and, and it just, I, it was, it was really difficult for me. My older sister, complete opposite. And so I think then I started to turn towards music and I started trying different to play some, some instruments even if I wasn't great at it, it was still kind of fun. And I got into art at a young age too. I love to paint um, and, and try, and I try to, you know, use my creativity um, to, uh, to explore a little bit since it was, it was a little more difficult for me in this specifically, this town was a very college oriented school system, which was, it was great, but it was hard for me. And I think, comparing myself to my older sister, I started find I started losing some confidence in, in like, oh, I don't fit in. I must be, I'm like, I'm a little bit different. And, um, and, uh, yeah. And so it was, uh, that was the moving out here or out to California was a big adjustment. Um, and, and then I was again, trying to like find myself and, um, I got into sports too. Um, my sister and I both played soccer growing up and um, I, we both were very competitive. She was much better at soccer. And again, but I was like, I want to be like my sister. And so I want to keep doing all these things. Um, but I think, you know, looking back now, that's where I lost, you know, some of my own identity because I, I just wanted to be like her. And um, I, it wasn't until later I started finding the things that kind of made me, me. Um, but yeah, in high school, I ended up switching. I started doing running track um, and to kind of stay in shape for soccer. And then I found this was a big moment for me because I kind of found it was something I was, I was really good at and I, I enjoyed it a lot. And, um, you know, eventually I had to make the decision soccer or or track try this new thing and i'm i i tried i went with with track which was a huge a huge opportunity for me because that was kind of the first point i mean the art stuff too but that was the first point where i kind of chose something different than what i saw was ahead of me and um it ended up leading to i mean open the door for a lot of things um it's it's what I don't know if I'm jumping ahead a bit too much, but that's, I went to school, I went to college um, and ran track and um, had got some scholarship money. And so that was, yeah, it was, that's where I kind of, I think started building my, you know, my relationship with physical movements and um, also with kind of my own, my own path. And like, oh, I am, you know, I may not learn the same way, but I am, I'm good at some of these other things. And uh I, I can I can use my strengths to to help me into my into my future, um, and running also was a great opportunity of for for like that moving meditation and to to have some time to like clear my mind and so most of my creative thoughts would always come when I was running. Um, but and then yeah, I guess in high school I also had some other kind of difficult moments of my 
was in my sophomore year or my, yeah, my sophomore year of high school, my grandfather on my dad's side, um, passed away pretty quickly. Um, he, he had got, he got a, a bone cancer that spread and, and had passed away within three or four months. And the following year, my uncle, uh, he, he, he died. He, he had a, um, he struggled with some depression and some addiction things and that that's, you know, took his life. And that was a, cause you know, when it, I felt when I had experienced my grand, some grandparents passing away, but, um, that felt like it was a little more how it was supposed to be. Um, even though my grandma was a bit younger, it was, she was still my grandmother. Um, when my uncle passed away, it was really sudden and, um, and because of, of the circumstances, it was a really kind of confusing time. And, uh, and yeah, and that was, that kind of put me in a little bit of my own sort of journey with my own mental health and, and depression and, um, and finding ways to kind of get out of that. And running also was a thing that really helped me then. Um, cause it was the one way I could, I could kind of quiet my mind a bit that I knew at the time and um, get some um, emotional energy out through physical movement. Wow. And, um, but yeah, that kind of when that, and the following year after that, my aunt's um, husband was killed in a fire in um, Chicago. And so it was like this, this like two years of, of pretty, of three people that I loved deeply um, just being gone. And so another more kind of questions with the death and understanding, trying to understand that was happening at, a, you know, an age where I didn't really, I didn't even know who I was. Um, so it was, yeah, it was a lot of, I had, and I think those things kind of forced me to, to, to like grow or I don't know, uh, grow up a little bit, um, with my self-awareness, um, because I was feeling all these different things, sadness, fear, anxiety, things I didn't really know were a thing and having to, to work through those at, at this kind of awkward stage of life. Yeah. Uh, what was your, uh, specific relationship like Sarah with your, uh, parents, if you don't mind me asking what, what did they kind of provide for you or, um, you know, was there some difficult times in your relationships with your parents? What, what was that like? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, no, of course. Um, yeah. So I always had a good relationship with my parents. Um, my mom was from an Italian family, so very open, um, and affect like physically affectionate and, um, you know, inviting everybody in cooking dinner, all of, all of, all of that. Um, so it was, I saw love in that kind of way and had, my mom was very, yeah, like hugging, kissing that, that type of affection. Um, my dad, my dad was from a Catholic German family. And so it was very, very different. And it wasn't until even if this last few years where I was, I recognized because I, I always, my dad was, I, I looked up to him so much. Like I always wanted to make him proud and I always wanted to have this like strong relationship with him. And we did, it just looked 
a lot different. He he showed love by his support, by showing up, by providing, by always by always being there and and uh, and being the rock of our family. The physical affection was was diff looked a lot different. So it was less a hugging and kissing, less of of that. But it was it was he was the solid person always in my life. And um, so yeah, I think it. I mean, had great relationship, but it, it definitely. I think I think maybe I questioned uh, what like what is love supposed to kind of look like, or what is you know is it supposed to be a certain way um, or affection or what it might be. Um, and those things have changed too. Like it's, it's been beautiful watching my, my dad's process too, with, um, with the way he shows love and the way, and his vulnerability, because definitely German Catholic was being vulnerable and open. Wasn't quite the same way, um, as my mom's side. And so it, I had, I learned, and I, I learned two different forms of, of affection and love, um, which I think ultimately has helped me with boundaries in one way and then, and then being open and vulnerable in another way. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, now in regards to, uh, kind of like, uh, the, the artistic side of who you are, but you mentioned kind of discovering that when you were younger, uh, was art, uh, an opportunity for you to maybe express some of the, stuff that was going on inside of you as a young girl that maybe you couldn't express with your words or you didn't even know how to express. Cause let's just be honest here. Like when we're younger, uh, like you mentioned earlier, we, we, we don't know who we are, right. We don't even know what all of that means. Uh, and there's a lot of emotions and a lot of stuff inside of us when we're younger that I think for a lot of us, it's hard for us to express that. Right. And that can, kind of build up and back up and cause some different struggles when we're younger. So was art a form of expression for you? And can you just expound a little bit more on that? And how does art, uh, you know, now as a, as an adult, how does that kind of still play uh, or factor positively into your uh, life, Sarah? Yeah. Um, yeah. Art definitely was a way for me to express myself and to, to get emotion out. Um, and, uh, I, and I did, I did actually too a lot of creative writing from a, a young age. And, and so it wasn't, if I open one of my journals and read it, it's not, you know, grammatically correct or anything, but I would, I have like a box of journals that I had from when I was probably when I could first start writing of just poems and, and like just little, little small things, just an entire box of them for my whole entire life and journaling and writing. That's been a huge part of, of my self-expression, even if it's just a jumble of words that I don't know why they're in my mind, but I need to, if I can get them out and then something might reveal itself later. Um, but yeah, that the creative writing and was was definitely a form of expression for me and um, something I I still do to this day, um, often or every day and um, and then yeah the the more I guess you know the writing or sorry the painting and um, my what well, my uncle one of my uncles he so. My other one of my uncles who else who also passed away when I was a bit younger um, 
was the one who showed me, got me my first oil paint set and kind of showed me how to do that. And so I think there was a feeling of, of love and safety and comfort that came along with it. And, um, and so anytime I do that, I, 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 it's kind of a nostalgic feeling too. And, um, and, and yeah, and just, I, I mean, something I, I still do to this day. And also I, my now art to me looks like other things as well. I like to refinish furniture, build furniture, um, which is, yeah. So it's a, a bit, a bit different, but, uh, yeah. And I, I don't necessarily have like a plan of what I'm going to do. Sometimes I just like my hands, I'm just start doing something and something comes out of it or nothing comes out of it. And it's just, it just feels like energy moving through my body in a different way than a physical, the physical energy, um, or physical movements in that sense. And, uh, and then music is always a part of that as well, whether I'm kind of messing around with my own guitar, trying to just like, you know, figure that out a little bit. Um, and, or if I'm listening to music, I sometimes see music in like color a bit. And so if I listen to music, sometimes I will pull out my paints or, um, my like colored pencils or whatever I might be working with and, um, and kind of just like flow with that and not really have a, a plan, but just let just color come out onto the paper. And it's, I always walk away feeling like, yeah, just a little bit fuller. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, now in reference to what you just, uh, mentioned in regards to kind of like just flowing right with the, with the art and you mentioned, um, creating and not really having a plan and just releasing whatever is inside you need to release or, or, or kind of whatever your perspective is, uh, with regards to that, is that, am I, is it, am I, uh, correct in um saying that that's kind of how you approach your life or within your life do you have a little bit more clear direction and uh you know um you know do you have like a clear goal or goals set in place in regards to your life or is it more of that free-flowing um you know perspective in terms of just allowing life to unfold as it is meant to be or supposed to be yeah, um, I definitely am a free flower with everything. Um, and I that's I, I think there are points in my life where I had to learn to do that and let go of control um, or control of like the outcome of something. And uh, and I and I they the direction I have is is like my purpose or my why and that why can change and has changed over the years. But having the the why of 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 yeah, why I'm doing one specific thing or like what my purpose, you know, I don't know my purpose like in life necessarily, like what the universe and my, the divine or my higher power has, has planned for me. I think I, I gain more knowledge of that as I free flow through life a little bit. And, um, but I've found like that, and that's just me too, following my intuition. And so if I check, checking back in with my intuition, and if it checks out and it feels good, you know, my mind and, and my heart and my intuition and soul is everything is in a line with each other, then I know that things are going to unfold as, as they're meant to. Um, and I'll make, you know, I'll have some maybe small goals or like things to work towards, 
even in a day or a month or, or a week, but I've, I've definitely learned to let go of, um, this is my five-year plan. If I, if it doesn't, if it doesn't pan out in that way, then, you know, things are awful. It's like, no, that's, no, that's not true. I, I'm going to come back to my why and my morals and my values. And if those are aligned and my intuition is giving me the green light, then, um, I know that I'm on, I'm on the right path and things will, I will be guided to where I need to be. Do you ever feel like, uh, your, um, emotions have led you, uh, astray or, uh, maybe in, uh, the wrong direction, so to speak? Yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> um, that's, yeah, that's been a huge part of my, my journey and my, uh, my healing process of some of the experiences that I've had. Um, and like straight out of college, I had a, a pretty traumatic experience. Um, and, you know, some, some sexual assault in, in, involved in that. And after that, I, and I was kind of shut down of, you know, from some authority figures of, of the, there was no really solution to, to what, had happened. And so I, I shut that down in my mind, but the emotions were still there and the, the, the sadness and, and the confusion and the kind of shame too was still there. And that definitely turned me down a road, which was initially very dark for a while. Um, and, uh, and those emotions, yeah, those dark, difficult emotions. Um, it's interesting. I feel like I learned how to survive and live in those for a long time in that those like dark emotions. And so when things would, when I'd have moments of light and moments of, of positivity happening, I wouldn't really know what to do. And because I was so used to some of these negative emotions because I, I had to, it was almost a form of survival, I think. Um, and uh, yeah. And so the mo emotions definitely can, could, would take a hold of me because they're, I feel things and I feel things very deeply. Um, and I, the self-awareness and the work that I've done has, has been huge in, in honoring those feelings. Cause I don't want to not feel the way I feel like I like to, I want to feel fully in the, the big emotions that I do. Cause that means the, the positive, the, the quote unquote positive of the, the, the good emotions, whatever, you know, if that's what we want to call them are amazing. Um, and I don't want to, I don't want to miss out on the, the peak of joy that I can feel, but that also means I can feel pain very deeply as well, but learning to, uh, learning to recognize those and be like, yeah, this is a feeling, but it doesn't mean I need to take that feeling to into action or into a certain, you know, if it's going to take me down a, a dark, a dark road, but I did, I definitely did. I let that happen at times in my life. I'm also a learner and I need to, I, I needed experience to show me what I can and can't do or what, what is good or not good for me in my life. Um, so yeah. Yeah. We're, we're going to come back to a little bit more of what you were just sharing. Uh, but I want to kind of step back into your um, story for um, a little bit here, Sarah. So um, what were you, a lot of us, not all of us, but I think probably a lot of us, whether it's uh, something that our parents kind of bring to us, or maybe a high school counselor brings to us, or 
we're kind of just looking at our, our friends in high school, but I'd say a fair amount of us when we're teenagers, you know, junior, senior in high school, we start kind of thinking about on some level, right. Uh, of what we quote unquote want to do or be when we grow up. So uh, I'm curious, what were some of your thoughts about what you wanted to do or be when you uh, grew up? Uh, once you graduate high school, you already mentioned going to college and running track. So uh, just talk about, um, you know, again, what you were thinking about, what you wanted to be or do when you grew up, when you were in high school as a teenager, what did you go to college and study? Uh, did that change? Uh, and just talk to us about the college experiences and we'll kind of start getting into some of the stuff um, after you graduate, if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. Um, so, and I think I, I've like thought about this often too, of what, when I was younger and in high school, thinking about like what I wanted to do when I grew, grew up. Um, and I have this, it's like a blessing and a curse sometimes at the same time. I'm really good at being very, very present. And I have been for my entire life. And I don't know if that's with, because my, I, my emotions are, I feel like very attached to them or I, like I can feel them really well um that that what I was very present like throughout my life um and so I think at a young young age in high school I was like I didn't even really think about what was next um and uh um I just I, I remember like when I was you know this is probably more middle school though I just thinking about what I was going to be, what I want to be when I grew up. And I just thought, I was like, oh, well, I probably should wear a suit and like some like nice shoes or something and like work at a top of a building. But I was like, I don't even know what that means. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, so, yeah, I didn't, it wasn't, I, I was, I, I don't think I really, I definitely didn't figure it out till, till later. And I kind of fluctuated between some things. Um, but once I got to school, I went to school or college, um, and physical movement was such a big part of my life in athletics. Um, I, I, I knew I was going to probably do something in, in the realm of athletics or physical movement or health, something wasn't really sure what that was going to be. Um, but, uh, eventually I, I decided why well, I, I started with athletic training and then quickly discovered I wasn't able to do that because, I was a year round athlete and you had to work on one of the athletic teams. Um, and, and then I more, and then I started becoming more interested in what I was putting into my body and how that affected what I would, what was coming out or like what I would do out, out like with that. Um, so I got into um, nutrition and medical nutrition and I got, I ended up getting my degree in medical nutrition. Um, and so I, and I, in that process. So I was on in the old, like at first I was, I want to do, I want to be a registered dietitian. When I got into the process of what that was going to be like, and really what that would more look like, I, I, uh, was not into the hospital work. Um, and that's, so I, you know, we had in there's some, there's, it's essentially like you have some rotations of clinical work that you do afterwards. And it just didn't, it didn't feel right for me. Um, but, uh, and so, yeah, then I kind of went into more of, of health and wellness and, um, more holistic type of, of, uh, nutrition and, um, 
Yeah. And, and I guess too, part of why I gravitated towards nutrition or kinesiology um, was that, you know, like I said, technical writing and reading all of that was, I was not my strong suit. Um, science, I, I like, I was good at, I, I loved biology. I loved microbiology. Um, I actually really liked organic chemistry because there wasn't any, uh, there wasn't any math involved in it, you know, to like balance equations or anything like that. I was like, I can do this. Like, yeah, this is great. Um, I loved anatomy and I loved not, I wasn't good at taking tests. And so I, I found too, that in the degree I was working in, there was a lot of more projects and, and like connection, human connection, because you're interviewing like clients or working with athletes or whatever it was. Um, but I liked, I liked that connection piece of it as well. Um, so it was like, no, no math and like no, no writer spelling, <laughs> but, uh, the science part I loved. And, um, and so, yeah. And then after college, I, I, I got it. I, cause I had such a great experience with athletics and physical movement. And I was seen, you know, especially after my uncle and grandfather passed away in high school, how I used running as, as, to help my, my own mental health, um, uh, I was like, well, how can I, how can I bring this to other people? And um, eventually then right after school or like the year after school, I think it was 2013, um, I, I got my certification um, for personal training. And then that kind of took my, took me down the, the route of personal training. And I had some time away from it, came back to it, was in art, back in art school for a little bit. Um, and then ultimately made my way back into physical training in, in the, the health and wellness world. Okay. Yeah. Um, now you went to college uh, at San Diego State University. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, now I want you to talk a little bit more about your college experience in terms of being a track athlete, because uh, not everybody has the opportunity or takes the opportunity um, if they're an athlete in high school to compete in college and um, it's a whole different level. It's a whole different ball game. Obviously SDSU is uh, a D one school. So going from high school to a D one athlete is a whole different world and a whole different ball game. So talk about just being a division one athlete. Uh, you mentioned training year round. I'm sure that was a little bit different than uh, your track experience in high school. So just talk a little bit more about what was running uh, and being an athlete in college at a division one school like for you, um, did you connect well with, you know, your, uh, fellow athletes, um, you know, any impactful coaches during that time in your life? Just touch on that, Sarah, if you don't mind, please. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I loved it. I loved everything about it. It was a lot of work, a lot of long hours, but it, it was, it was the perfect thing for me. Um, so I did, cross country in the fall. And then we had indoor track in the winter and then outdoor track in the spring. Um, so yeah, it was, it was year round and, and even we were back early for breaks and, and summer. Um, but one of the things I, I loved was that, um, there, it, there was like this kind of built in family, um, right off the bat. Cause that was part of going into school that I was nervous about. Um, cause I, it was, San Diego State's big, big school and a lot of, a lot of people. Um, so it was, it was overwhelming. And uh, I think if I didn't have that like built in 
community of my my track team um it would have it would have been very overwhelming for me um as it is for a lot of people but uh and one of the nice things with San Diego State at the time because it like title 9 stuff that we we only had a women's a women's team when i was there um and so we were very we are all very really, really really close and it was there was this big sense of of I mean, there's, you know, pride with, with all, with all athletes, I think athletics and sports, um, there, but, um, yeah, it was just something about having just all like this, the strong female presence around me at that time was, was huge. And, um, and yeah, I learned to kind of push myself and I, that's where I, that's where I really feel like I, I really opened up and, and kind of discovered even more deeply of who I was um because you know like I said how school was difficult for me and kind of broke my confidence a bit um growing up I found for me finding track and and taking it to that level um it it gave me a a, a new a new confidence um in in and like uh yeah, like I may not be good at, at this thing and I don't have to be good at this thing, but I can excel in something else. And like, and recognizing that then gave me the, the, the confidence to, to like push myself more than, than I, I thought I, I could. And, um, and you asked about impactful coaches, my, my track coach, uh, uh her name is Sheila Burrell. And she was just this phenomenal phenomenal woman and she was a, a olympian she was like a bronze medalist um a heptathlete and so she was just strong and she was a force and um she her and i connected really well and um she kind of was the sort of kind of mother figure at school for me and um my sophomore year so there's a, a race called the steeplechase which if if you or anyone else is not familiar. It's like, a, it's a nearly two mile race in college. Um, and there's, it's a hurt, it's hurdles, but they're, they're like these big beams they're like the, that horses like jump over and there's like the water jump. And so it was, it's not a high school and it wasn't a high school race. And so there was not a lot of people who, who were doing it compared to some of the other um, events. And we didn't have anyone on our team who, who ran this. And, I had, I didn't know how to hurdle cause I was more mid distance. Um, like the 1500 was my event. Um, but I, I knew that I, I knew I had some speed with, with the two, like a two mile or nearly two mile race that I could kind of, I could use my strength there to make up for my lack of, uh, hurdle ability. So I went and I could score a few points, even if I got seventh place in the steeplechase, I would score a point for the team for our, um, for conference. And so I went to my coach and I, I said, can you teach me how to hurdle? Like, I like to try the steeplechase. And she was like, hell yeah, let's do it. And so that meant a lot of extra hours. <laughs> I was up on the track, like, you know, a couple, like an, at least an hour, hour and a half a day extra doing some hurdle, hurdle stuff. Um, but, and I, and I, I, I did it. I ended up, you know, getting some points for our team during conference. And that was, it, it was, it was fun because it was, I knew I wasn't, it wasn't great at it, but it was this, it was the first time I was, I was like, Oh, I, or not the first time is another example of me being like, I have, this is my strength. I have a strength here. This is my weakness, but I can like use them together to like, 
per, like, you know, create something positive and do something good. And, 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 uh, and yeah, it was, so yeah, track and, and the, my team was, was, uh, it was, yeah, it was probably one of the bigger, biggest moments of my life up to then. And, um, and, uh, yeah, it helped me really kind of discover who I was. It was, it was, a, a I loved it. It was a great experience. Very cool. Yeah. Now, uh, when did you first get exposed to, uh, like weight training, uh, being in a weight room or an environment like that? Was that in high school or was that in college? Cause obviously getting into personal training, you've got to have some sort of hopefully, uh, exposure to weight training and being in a gym or a weight room. So when did that come? Um, and did you enjoy weight training when you kind of started, uh, first picking up barbells and dumbbells and, and going through that process? Can you, uh, touch on that, Sarah? Yeah, definitely. Um, first kind of exposure to it was, um, in high school, actually, uh, when I was still doing just competitive soccer, um, I, my sister and I went to this facility that, uh, was like, it was a, like a perform like a performance gym. And, um, we, we do a lot of like high speed treadmills. Um, and, and that's the first time too, they have, they give us you kind of a weight program for your specific, um, sport or whatever you might be doing. And, um, and I think I just, I enjoyed doing something that was off of the field when I like, because it was soccer at the time. Um, and then college was when became more, uh, less of, I mean, cause that place was a lot more, the high speed treadmills and more, more, uh, conditioning and agility work, uh, and more of the, uh, strength training we did was kind of more machine based. So it was not what I, anything I really same that I do now necessarily, but in college is when we start first started picking up like barbells and, um, and then, and, and the way that elevated my, my, running ability was just so fascinating to me because I was like, I could, I have been running and I've been training this way in finding success and then add this other component in as like, oh, now I feel so much stronger and my endurance, my endurance is still there, but I, I have like, I can jump higher. I can, I can, uh, my turnovers quicker. Um, and so I just was really fascinated by how that, that piece just elevated the whole, the whole game. Um, and yeah, and then it kind of turned into of after school was like, oh, how I can I, how can I change my, like push my body more physically at the time? My, my relationship with physical fitness has changed a bit now, but, um, at that time it was, you know, can I, how can I lift more, jump higher, whatever it was and how, how I can, how that's going to translate into other parts of my life. Um, so yeah, yeah. Did, did you guys have a, a strength and conditioning coach specifically mm -hmm. for the track team? Or did you have somebody kind of uh, overseeing that when you were at SDSU at that time? Or was it kind of just, uh, you know, your your uh, head track coach uh, overseeing that uh, part of your training? Yeah, we had a couple of um, strength and conditioning coaches um, who were, yeah, specifically just for the, the weight training um, portion of things. And uh we'd have like two or three days a week in, in the weight room, like double days. So we'd have our, 
morning weight stuff and then be on the track in the afternoons um, and then some longer runs in between. But yeah, it was, we had some, some more focused uh, people who helped us with that. Okay. Okay. So now you mentioned uh, earlier in your story, uh, Sarah, that um, when you went to college at some point you were uh, thinking about being a, 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 an RD, a registered dietitian, started studying nutrition. Um, what I'm kind of curious about, and I want to ask you about is uh, your relationship with food. Uh, again, going back to having so many conversations, uh, you know, on podcasts and just with other humans in the health and fitness world, because that's kind of a space that uh, I hang out in a lot myself. Uh, there's a lot of uh, females at some point, even as adults, even still to this day, that uh, struggle with their relationship with food. So that's something I would like you to kind of share, if you don't mind, with myself and all the listeners. Like when you were younger, what was your relationship like with food? When you were in college and you were competing and you're an athlete, what was your relationship with like food? And has there been a transformation or evolution in regards to your relationship with food up to current day? And if so, what does that kind of look like if you don't mind? Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely. I, I've always loved food. And I think I remember one of my uh, nutrition coaches said this, they're like, people will get into nutrition for one of two reasons. They either love food or they're afraid of it. And I was like, interesting. Yeah, I can see that because there was, I could see that that dynamic with some of my, my classmates. Um, and I was definitely the one who loved food. Um, you know, it's like have some Italian roots in me. And so that was, uh, food was a big center, big center of, of, of like family gatherings, which, um, I always loved. And my other, on my other side, my grandmother was, you know, she cooked for my whole, my dad, my whole family, which was, and dad, six, one of six kids. So it was big family. And, uh, when I was probably about, I mean, from actually from early, I can remember she, I was, I would like kind of be her sous chef. And, um, and so I loved, I also loved that part of food, not just like the nutrition part, but I loved the ritual and like of, of preparing food and it being this gathering thing that brought people together, um, and being able to, to, it's another kind of express self like form of expression of, of putting that into something you can share with people. Um, so that always was a draw to me. And then, you know, I, and then in college when I was in, you know, I was competing, um, that's when I was started really diving into what, uh, what nutrition would do for me. And, um, I did a number of, of projects of, of like even designing my own nutrition bars and things like that. And, and doing some studies with the, the women on my track team and seeing of, you know, what, like what people put it, like what they like to put in their body before they compete, after they compete, um, what that looks like after doing it for months, you know, months and months and how it changes your body and how you feel. Um, and, uh, and that's kind of still, I, yeah, I look at food as, as a way to bring people together, but also as a, uh, in, and just, it's kind of, it's just like a kind of lifelong experience, experiment of, of changing of what I put into my body and what that, and what that does, um, to me physically, mentally, um, even emotionally, uh, but 
Yeah. And I think that's also another thing. I, I think we all are, I, I know I have, you know, emotional ties to food in different ways too, whether it's a dish that I might make uh, that reminds me of my grandmother or a time that I liked I, that I made it with her and it have it giving this like positive feeling. Um, and uh, yeah, so I don't know. I've, yeah, I've, I feel like I've always had a, a good relationship with food. I've never been a, res a restrictor of it. And I, and now my, my, I mean, number one's always like hydration is always like the huge, huge, big thing. Um, and now I'm definitely, I, I, I am more of an intuitive eater. And, um, and I think that is also just another way for me to, to like find that mind body connection of, of like, Oh, what is my body needing right now? Am I craving, am I craving something sweet? Oh, I probably need some like complex carbohydrates or as, as fuel right now. And, um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I think it's also has been a way to understand my physical body a bit more. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, let's, let's take a step back into your story. So, um, you graduate from SDSU and then you said within a few years, uh, you got your, um, personal training certification. Uh, so why don't you walk us through, um, like, let's just say the first five years after college, what did that look like? You, um, we'll just focus on the professional side at this point. Um, just kind of touch on that if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, so at first, uh, I, I, I did a number of, I got my certification, my, uh, American council of exercise. Um, and, uh, I had been living actually out in Colorado for two years after I graduated and then moved back to California. And uh, so once I moved back to California, I was up in Northern California. Um, I had met somebody who worked at, at you know, at a, it was like a, a crunch fitness is where, where's the first place that I, I trained at. And, um, I, and then I was in, you know, a couple of, uh, environments like that, more of the, the bigger, bigger, you know, gym type settings. And, and I liked, I liked the work and I liked being around people and the connection and helping people, um, with physical movement and finding what was best for them. I was, I struggled there with, I wasn't a seller of, of like packages and things that was not my strong suit. And so I was like, okay, maybe this world, this realm of, physical of personal training wasn't right for me. Cause you know, I wasn't, when someone told me you have to meet this quota of number of like supplement sales and things like that. And I, I felt like it was taking me away from, from like my why and like why I like to do it. Um, and so I, I took, you know, I, I was in those, those environments for probably the first, uh, I mean, like probably like three, three years or three or four years. Um, and then I, life things happened, sent me on a different path a little bit. Um, I should mention too, when I started running or started doing hurdles in college, I, uh, I started doing yoga then for the physical parts of it. Um, because my hips were just screaming at me, <laughs> it was like all these new movements. And so I started, I started yoga and I remember the first time I went into a yoga class, um, as I was like, the physical part was great, but I think I walked away with was how my mind just checked out from the outside world. And I was like, Oh, there's this 
other mental spiritual component of of this um that I want to explore and so that was that whole journey was kind of going on at the same time um as I was in my professional world of of training and then when I was starting to realize that I didn't like these big corporate um gyms for myself as much um I decided to explore the yoga side a little bit more and eventually I went to yoga school in Bali um and and that was a big change of of like of my next where I was going to be kind of training next. And then I started finding more of these smaller local gyms with um, more functional type of movements and, and just these smaller, like powerful communities um, and kind of like family feeling communities. Um, and uh, and that's kind of where I've I've uh, I've remained in those those little smaller, smaller communities with a big reach, big, strong communities, but not like quota, like sell package, sell package, forgetting about why we're selling these packages to people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Staying focused on people and not necessarily always uh, the profit and the sales side of that realm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, a, that's one thing I've learned about myself is I'm Sometimes I wish it maybe it was different. I, I'm not money motivated. Um, I am like purpose motivated and feeling motivated. Unfortunately, our world, we have to have some money motivation, but um <laughs> yeah. So that was that was a big lesson too for me. And but I think really great because then it is just helps me like to redefine and like refine where what my what my professional world looks like. Okay. Um, now like those, let's just say those first five years out of college for you, Sarah, did you have like some professional goals that you were in pursuit of, or, or were you still kind of just trying to find your way, so to speak, in terms of, you know, being a professional, doing the personal training, what this whole health and fitness world, personal training world kind of was, what, what was that like, uh, let's just say the first five years after college? Yeah. First five years. Um, I was still, I think I was still trying to figure, figure out, um, what that was going to look like. And I think probably cause I had, excuse me, a bunch of like a lot of outside personal things going on that my, my focus was kind of pulled in a couple directions with, um, what I needed to be like focused on for my own like mental health and, 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 uh, direction. But, um, I, I, once I kind of realized about the, you know, the corporate gym setting, um, I, it just further, uh, confirmed that I wanted to work with people and, and help people. And, but I think I was, I was, and I think still am refining and figuring out what that really, really looked like, but I wanted to, I wanted to help people and, 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 uh, and, teach with with my knowledge and also like experience that I had I had a gone like I had in my life um but yeah it always came back to connection and helping and helping people but I think that's always was still still trying to figure it out in those first five years yeah okay I want to I want to dive into the the your uh yoga um experiences uh 
as you kind of mentioned, and you went to yoga school, can you uh, just walk us through, um, you know, you leaning into you stepping into yoga, going to yoga school, uh, and, and, and we're going to kind of just, we're going to move in a direction of your professional career. And then to wrap up our conversation today, I want to kind of take a couple of steps back and kind of get back into a little bit more uh, of, of your personal life, if you don't mind. But um, so talk about the yoga stuff in terms of going to school and what did that do for you? Uh, and I mean, you're, you're a yoga instructor, I think up to this point today. So talk to us about yoga. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like I said, it, it initially started with um, it being a fully mo like physical modality and for physical purposes, because um, I was adding these, all these new movements into my, my, my track career um, that uh, I needed, I needed, a, I needed a balance. And that's what at first it brought really was just this physical balance between the running I was doing, the strength training, and I needed, I needed like a softer component to, to, to that, um, to, to balance it out. And so initially that's, it, that's what it brought was this physical, physical balance. Um, and then it, that's it, like I said, kind of quickly turned into this, this, uh, mental break, this mental, like just get rid of stress, um, and also connection to my, my, like myself and also that spiritual journey that I was still and always still figuring out, um, and understanding. Um, but it was, yeah, it became this, this like kind of daily reprieve and daily kind of check-in, um, with where I was at mentally and emotionally as well. Um, and eventually I had the opportunity. And so it was, I was, it was a daily practice for me. Um, even if it was, you know, a, a at home practice myself, which was often the case. Um, and, uh, and I usually liked, I would like to start the day with like a short little flow and end it with a, you know, short flow slash meditation. Um, and again, it was this sense of balance and, and, uh, and like serenity, um, and, uh, and then I became very fascinated with the culture, you know, the true, like the true culture, like move. Cause I was, had the opportunity to go to this yoga school in Indonesia in Bali and live there for a few months. And, um, and I went on my own and I, you know, I met a group of, of people there, um, which was incredible, but that, well, that just opened up a lot of just interest in, in, the culture and just the stories and the text and and um i mean it's this obviously this huge huge world that's been around for so long um and uh yeah and it was just i don't know it was just this uh this new way to connect with myself and with others and and with the my higher power and um uh Sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought there. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, you're still obviously practicing yoga yourself. Are you still instructing and teaching yoga? And is that something that you incorporate uh, with uh, Kalo Fitness where you're where you're at right now? Yeah, um, so I do. I have some like some. Uh, I also teach a class, some classes over at 
the the JCC, the Jewish Community Center, and do like a, a restorative class there. Um, and uh, before I moved out here, back out here, um, at the 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 place at the facility I was at there was I was doing instructing more of a flow yoga flow. Um, I I do some some one on one um, private yoga clients as well currently. Um, and it's always something I I think I definitely the some movements I incorporate into uh um you know one on one sessions of of strength training sessions um and 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 at Kayla we definitely have a component of uh, every you know group session we start with with some breath work um so kind of coming back to that breath work and then also uh mobility and then we end we end our sessions with breath work too um so I think even if I'm not you know teaching a, a whole a whole class it's 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 like sprinkled in throughout um you know one-on-one -on -one sessions and small group sessions as well so it's kind of yeah it's just kind of a part of of every of of like all everything <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah beautiful what do you feel like this may be a hard question to answer uh to limit it to just one but to kind of wrap up, you know, our conversation at this point with, with yoga, the topic of yoga, what do you feel like your biggest personal takeaway from all of your uh, yoga practicing and instructing and experiences up to this point, Sarah? Hmm. Yeah. Biggest takeaway. Um, that I guess probably that there doesn't, that nothing has to, it doesn't, things don't have to look like they're supposed to, or like, if that makes sense, like people often, one of the first things people will say to me, um, if I'm just starting to work with them, or just when I say I, I, I am a yoga instructor, they're like, the first thing they say, I'm not flexible at all. I'm like, okay, you don't have to be. I'm like, yeah, yeah. That's like, totally get it. Not, like you don't have to be flexible. That's totally not what it's about, but that's what everybody's uh, most, a lot of people's minds go to. Like, I can't even touch my toes. I'm like, well, we can work on that, but that's also not what yoga is. Um, and so I think for me, it's helped like understanding and letting go of, of the outcome of things in the, the, fitness world, but also just thing, just outside in general, like letting go of the outcome of what something's supposed to look like and enjoying what it feels like as you're, as you're moving towards whatever the outcome might be. Um, and so I think it's really helped me to, to enjoy the process, even if it's sometimes painful, you know, if you're holding a pose for a really long time, you're like, oh, this might feel a little painful, but I can, uh, I can enjoy, enjoy it in some degree. Um, yeah. And, and yoga, I, I, I am not a yoga expert by any means, but from the outside looking in yoga is, is, is a lifestyle. It's, it's a, it's a daily practice in terms of combining the movement, but also kind of the, the, the spiritual side of things. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, there's, there's, a the asanas are only like the, so the asanas, the poses, uh, the physical practice is only one part of, 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 of yoga. And there's all these other parts of it as, uh, as well. Um, and yeah, it's, 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 uh, 
it's a it's a lifestyle and some say it would say is like a spirituality um or even a religion is some some people would want to want to say that um but which is yeah i think is a, a really a really interesting idea of 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 a something we in the western world think of is is like a physical modality because yeah it is that but it's also it's also like all a whole entire world and we could write there are books you know ancient books written on the texts of yoga um and it's it's very fascinating and some beautiful stories some really beautiful stories um in in some of those texts as well which um is uh, also very interesting to dive into <laughs> yeah. yeah okay um so let's let's kind of uh wrap up uh the professional side of sarah so uh you know you go to yoga school um you become certified or licensed however you were that in terms of yoga uh and then um just kind of uh walk us up to the point where you're at today uh in terms of your professional career what you're doing where you're at what that kind of looks like and if you have any long-term goals or a long-term version vision excuse me of yourself professionally, what, what might that look like? So let's kind of just wrap up, uh, the professional side of things. And I got, I just want to touch on a few topics, uh, more personally, um, before we, uh, finish up our conversation, Sarah. Yeah. Um, so, so sorry, sorry. So like just kind of what, where, what's, what's kind of next for me, where I'm at right now is where. Yeah. How, how did you go from, uh, you went to the yoga school and, and, and you, you got certified licensed with yoga and then did you kind of get back into personal training? And then how did you end up, you know, with, with Kalo fitness and, and what does that look like? And then is there like a future vision for yourself in terms of professionally? Yeah. Um, so I'll try and keep it separate. So to my, my personal, my personal journey, um, is a big part of my professional journey. Um, just let me interject quickly. Sorry. If, if you feel free to tie it in however you want, like it's your, your story. I just, there's just some topics I want to touch on personally. So you, you just share however you want to share it, Sarah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, so yeah, after yoga school, I, um, you know, actually there, I had some, some difficult things happen in my life, um, leading up to that yoga school and, and that, that moment going to school there was um kind of a catalyst of a huge a, a huge spiritual like the spiritual awakening um that kind of set me put me where I'm at now um and and uh and so when I got back to to this back to the states um I was still in California at the time um and uh, I eventually made my way to Santa Barbara, where I, I was also, I was back in training. So I was doing personal training. I, to get, before I got back into personal training, I was working more on, on like the, uh, operations and marketing side of, of in the fitness world actually too. So the, um, I was at a small local gym and I uh, female owned operated small local gym where I was doing more of some operate operation sides. And, and then I, I started was teaching some yoga there and then kind of got back into the the strength and and um functional training and fitness uh side of things. Um and I yeah and then um I'm trying to think so I 
I, at, so this is where the personal kind of crosses over. So at that time, and, and even before my yoga school, I was involved in a, a very abusive, bad relationship, um, physically, emotionally, mentally, um, where it, my, my whole power, my soul was cracked and broken to some degree. And I lost my power, my voice and, um, and eventually and in fitness, that world kind of helped keep everything together at first, like seemingly when I was kind of in a little bit denial of a lot of the things that were happening. Once I finally broke away a bit and moved out here, um, where now my family's all out here as well. Um, and so it's this awesome, beautiful kind of safe environment. And that's where I had, you know, I had a major flashback, which was like a Pandora's box of opening up the trauma that I had experienced and for, and, and I had to really like look at it more deeply and had it, it came out of denial. I was like, oh, things were really worse than I, I allowed myself to believe. And I started this whole process of healing. And at first I, I couldn't even really talk to people. I couldn't like go out of the house. I couldn't talk to people. And this was like three four three year and a half years ago. Um, and I had been staying with, with family. Um, so my sister and parents live about a half mile away from each other in Wash Park. And, um, they're both on Uni Virginia and, uh, my sister's over by, um, like right by the park and my parents are over by, um, university. And so I would walk between my parents and my sisters to go, you know, see my parents or go see my, my niece and nephew. Um, and I kept seeing this, this sign in the small, the small little gym area, uh, Kalo fitness. And it was literally the universe. It was like, right on this walking path. And I would see it every time I walked by or ran by and I just gained more interested, interested. I, I looked, I, I kind of started doing some research. I looked them up on Instagram, sort of following them. And, um, and at that point I had been in, I was in and out, I was in art school for a little bit. And then ultimately, um, realized I, art was more of a, just a creative, a creative part for me. Um, but I, I, had taken a break from training to kind of go through this part of this healing journey for me. And, um, so I, I needed to recertify. And so I, I got, I recertified, um, and right after probably like a three weeks after I'd recertified, um, uh, Jordan, Nicole at Kalo, uh, you know, posted that they were looking to hire trainers. And I was like, wow, this is, uh, feels like it's kind of coming all together for, a, a, you know, just like something bigger than me was happening. And I was, I loved what they were about, this community about like power, female empowerment, um, and just more than just, you know, the, the, just the, the physical or the aesthetic parts of, of athlete or, uh, training. And, uh, so it was like this beautiful, yeah, kind of, happening that occurred. And I, you know, I, I sent him my, my resume and had a, I had a meeting, um, with, with Jordan and Nicole and just the, the vulnerability and it just felt so right talking to them. And they were, they were, I, I 
felt I was still getting used to my story and, and, and talking about it. Um, but they had this, they created this space that made me feel so comfortable. And I was able to open up and talk to them and it was received really beautifully. And, and that was really empowering in itself. And so then it became this, uh, it was like, oh yeah, this is, this is what I've been looking for. And I, this is how I can use my experiences, my, my healing journey with, within this, this like amazing community that they created to, uh, um, yeah, to, to bring not just physical fitness, but the, the, the mental part, the, the empowering is like, that was my new goal was empowering women from the inside out or, you know, or anyway. And, and that I think is my long-term goal is to continue is yes, to continue to help empower women in any possible way that I can and help people find their voices again and find their authenticity and vulnerability. And, um, yeah, so it's, it was really this pretty kind of incredible, incredible thing that happened. <laughs> and, uh, is it fair for me to kind of say that, you know, this community, um, with Kalo fitness, uh, you know, it's, a um, all female, uh, you know, setting, uh, owned and operated and all that. And you guys, um, only train ladies, but, um, is it fair to say that this kind of Kalo fitness setting in this community reminds you of your track community in college, where that was such a, a powerful, uh, female community experience for you. Do you kind of have some of those same feelings with Kalo fitness and, and everything that you guys have going on, uh, within that community? A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, it's, and yeah, it's that exactly that, um, people, women, people in general, lifting each other up and, um, believing in each other. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's a hundred percent what it, what it, I feel. Excellent. Okay. So to kind of just uh, start heading towards the finish line in terms of our uh, conversation today, Sarah, like I kind of mentioned a couple of times, I want to, I want to kind of take a, a couple steps back and I want to discuss a few things with you in terms of more of the personal side of things. The first thing that I really want, the topic I want to touch on and just hear your uh, perspective and, and your story uh, in regards to is, is mental health, because um, it's a topic that is much more, um, you know, uh, out there nowadays, there's a lot more discussions about mental health, which I personally am very grateful and thankful for because I have my own mental health, uh, journey and story. Uh, and when I was growing up, you know, in the late nineties, early two thousands, uh, mental health was, you know, that, that wasn't a topic. It, it, nobody did talked about it. Uh, anything mental health related was like, you know, you, uh, you know, we're just in such a bad state mentally that you got submitted to like a, a mental hospital. Like that was the, that was the, the, the gist of discussions with, with all that. So can you kind of just talk to us a little bit about mental health? What does that look like for you? What does that, that mean to you? Um, you mentioned earlier when you were younger as a teenager, anxiety, depression, is that something that you still are working through to this day? And if you don't mind maybe talking a little bit about some of the boundaries or, uh, some of those mental health practices that you have to incorporate just to kind of keep yourself where you know you need to be, I would love to hear kind of some of that. So um, yeah. I know I, I know some of my questions get a little lengthy and a little detailed, but 
kind of however you want to take mental health. I just want to hear um, your experiences and your perspective, uh, if you don't mind. Yeah, a hundred percent. My computer thing just, or my, my uh, adapter unplugged. Let me just lean in and plug it in. Go, really go quick. for I it. Don't... Yeah, you're good. You're good. <laughs> so sorry. It was, okay. I was like, why is it, why is it telling me low power? Yeah, um, you don't have to be sorry. It's just real life. You know, it's there you go. <laughs> about, um, uh, the podcast, just keep it real. Right. <laughs> Totally. Um, yeah, I had, I definitely a similar experience with mental health growing up of it being, um, not talked about, or if it was talked about, it was like taboo. And, uh, I think when I first experienced depression after I had, you know, experienced some, some death early in my life, um, I, because it wasn't talked about, I, I thought I was like broken. And so then I kind of create, there was this narrative in my mind that um, because I, I, my, I feel things differently or I, I, uh, it, my thought process looks different than other people's. It meant I was, I was broken and I wasn't, I, something needed to be fixed. And, um, and I think I love how that is changing now with, now that mental health is being talked about more and it being, it being, you know, not something that needs to necessarily be fixed. I mean, we can work on things to make ourselves happier or to, to, uh, to relieve some of the, the, the painful feelings that, that come along with it. But, um, I, I, I like to think, and that's what I, I see it kind of turning away from it being this, this problem or like that someone who experiences anxiety or depression isn't broken. They, they just experience things differently. And now we have, we, there's tools and to, to help work through these things or, and, and also I think when we're the process of, of uh, it being talked about more, it just makes people feel less uh, alone. And um, which is, exactly what I, I would have needed. I needed when I was experiencing depression. Cause that's what I felt was alone. Like I was in this bubble and I was broken and, and nobody else really understood or something. Um, and now that we can have conversations about it, it's like, Oh, I've experienced that too. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm human and you're human. And now we connect about this thing. And that's, and that's really beautiful. And now, now like maybe I feel a little bit less alone and you feel a little bit less alone and, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think just, just the simple act of people being strong and vulnerable and talking about their, their, their struggles or their experience with mental health, um, is, is changing and is going to save people's lives. And even if someone listens to this podcast or another one or something and, or music, music lyrics that talk about, you know, mental health in, in some way, like, oh, I don't feel so alone like anymore. Um, and I don't need to, like, it doesn't need to get to the point of, of where, you know, people taking their lives or what that kind of, that might, that might look like. And, um, and, and having acceptance for, I also think talking about it and understanding it for 
like myself gave me a sense of of a power so it turned in from from me feeling like i was alone and broken to me feeling like of like owning it like yeah i i have experienced depression i've experienced anxiety but that's who i am and it's made it's that journey to where i'm at now is you know that it's a part of it and I, instead of fighting it, like accepting it has given me a sense of, yeah, of, of power. And, um, and, uh, and it's like, it just, yeah, it's kind of a, I mean, yeah, it's just more diving into the self-awareness and even more. And, um, uh, yeah, sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought there as well, <laughs> a little bit. But uh, I always too, um, one of the things when I think about mental health, because my main things, yeah, were depression and anxiety. And and uh, I guess this comes back to meditation and pre being present. But I realized too, one, one time that when I, depression, when I was experiencing depression, it was often me living in the past. And when I was experiencing the anxiety, it was me living in in the future and trying to control what was to come or trying to control like a feeling associated from what happened in the past and um i think learning to between physical movement yoga physical movement finding that connection with my body and my mind and connecting with my intuition helped bring pres me present helped then to alleviate those those things that were associated with um with not being in the present moment. Um and and yeah, learning to talk about and be vulnerable with with my story and instead of trying to hide it and say, pretend like this part of my life didn't happen because is some of the stuff is pretty heavy subject to talk about um and brings up a lot of emotion, but I kept then I like my conversation with Jordan and Nicole and like that was one of the first times. And then other, like after that, I just like, I'm going to be open with my story and my struggle, my, with my mental health that came from that. Um, and, and I just keep getting like positive, positive things coming back after that. And, and then become a little bit easier to talk about those more difficult subjects. And, and like, yeah, like I said, I think then we just, find a deeper connection with, with other, with other humans and with each other. And, and ultimately I feel like that's what, what life is supposed is about is connecting with the people around us. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's mental health world has changed and it's continuing to change, I think for the better. And um, I hope I can be a part of that as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, just by you, taking my offer to come on the podcast and share your story. Um, you know, I always say that there's so much power in our stories, right? Uh, we all have a story and whatever we think about our story and of ourselves, um, that's kind of besides this point, because if we have an opportunity uh, that life presents to us to share our story, I always challenge and encourage people to do that no matter what they think about their story Take that opportunity to share your story because you never know how your story is going to positively influence or impact another human being. Mm -hmm. And there is so much power in our stories. 
because we're all in this experience together as, as humans, right? Um, so uh, I, I just think it's um, very uh, courageous of you, Sarah, to even come on the podcast today and, and be willing to get into some of the depths of your story because there's so much power. And like you said, somebody will listen to this and your story is going to have some sort of positive impact on them, right? So um, thank you so much for, for being willing to do that. I want to kind of just ask you then, what have you found to be some uh, uh, positive factors that you implement implement into your life to kind of keep your mental health where you want to and, and need to, to keep it? And I want you to touch on, because as we've gone back and forth, I think since maybe uh, November to set up this conversation today, uh, you know, you've, you've taken, as you told me, as we've been going back and forth through Instagram, you've taken some, some hiatuses or some breaks from, from Instagram and social media. So how, how does that factor into your mental health if it does? Yeah. Um, definitely. I, uh, well, yeah, I've done, we've done in that part of one of those was with at Kilo. We kind of just as a team group decided to, uh, to, to, to check out, uh, you know, to, to power down social media for, for the week, um, for the holiday, you know, between Christmas, Christmas and the new year. And, um, and, and I, like me personally, I think it, social media and Instagram like that has, is, is a part of the business with, or with, with, with the fitness world and, and just business in general. And, and like, it has these beautiful ways to connect, like the way, um, you reached out to me that now this can turn into something, something different and bigger. And, and I love, and I love the reach that it can have. Um, I, I think I've discovered kind of early on that, uh, the, yeah, that social media can definitely have, um, a negative impact with, with, uh, um, mental health. And I think a big part of that is us as humans, you know, I think, I think we are meant to really live in these smaller uh, communities and of like 300, 400 people, maybe where everybody then would be the best at something or have like their role in this community. And, and now with the internet and social media, while it has so many great things, it, it also then now we're on this like global scale. And so no longer am I the best of one th of like in my community. It's like now I'm, I'm comparing myself to the entire world and, you know, and that's, <laughs> that's hard to do. Cause I mean, anybody, I think most people will, will then see that comparing and, and, and you're never going to feel good enough to, to the world. Right. Cause there's too many people. And, um, and so I think once I kind of realized that I had to, I, anytime I would go on social media and still do, I have to like remind myself and I try and I try and stay away from like scrolling and stuff. And I try and use, try to use it for it's the purpose connections with people, um, you know, sharing things uh, that of, you know, words, like things, images, whatever it might be that might, uh, might like convey a message of that I'm, what I'm trying to like reached my clientele or whatever it might be. Um, uh, but, uh, I, if I would find myself kind of in that comparing thing, uh, between myself and people I knew or people I didn't know, um, 
coming back to that reframing being like, well, I don't need to, I don't need to compare myself to the world um, because I'm, I'm enough for myself. And um, let, let me like, let me go back and what, what did I log on here today for? Like, what did I log on here to say something to, to help somebody else out? Or did I log on here to like, to scroll through and then ultimately find myself uh, upset that I am not on a vacation, uh, like in Italy on a boat or whatever it might be. And, and, and also then rem remembering like, oh, that stuff's not all real all the time. Um, and, uh, but I think, yeah, this like social media, like the little hiatuses or taking a break from it, especially during these times where, um, for me, like family connection with the people around me is, is the most important part. Um, uh, and so I think it's, it is helpful to, to, to tune out of those things. And then if, when we're using them to, to remember why we're, what, what we're using them for, um, and, uh, cause they can have some really positive impact. But I also think going to that idea of depression, anxiety, being living in the past or the future, um, I think that's where mental, like mental health decline can happen with social media. Cause we're depression, living in the past, anxiety, living in the future, social media, like living in a fantasy world sometimes. And, um, can then bring up like I think anxiety and depression and all sorts of other other things. So being able to think mainly, yeah, check out from time to time, but then always tuning back to what the like the reason behind things. Like why am I here? What am I doing this for? Um and uh yeah, yeah. Uh so let's uh if you get uh let's just say you're going through your day living your life, uh Sarah and you just there's some sort of trigger or for some reason or other like you you just start feeling that anxiousness kind of like you know stirring in your soul uh do you have any practices or is there something that you do to kind of center yourself and bring yourself back to kind of just you know being in that moment and and uh you know breaking through that anxiety in that specific moment or not necessarily yeah definitely um and I think it for me it depends on what emotion or what thing I'm I'm feeling. Um, so if I'm feeling some like high energy anxiety, um, usually from like I don't know something, some unanswered, some unknown question um, that I don't may not be able to get the answer to right then and there. Um, and sometimes if that builds up a lot of physical uh, energy within my body, I need to like get out and do something more intense. So if it's, if it's anger or that high energy, like high energy anxiety, going for a really hard, fast run for me, doing like a physical modality with that, um, helps to get that energy out. Also, um, I also find that too, when I run hard and fast is really helps ground me because my feet are, are hard onto the, the trail or wherever I might be running. Um, so even that connection, that physical connect connection from my feet to the earth then helps to kind of ground me um, a bit there. Um, if I'm feeling kind of, if I'm feeling disconnected from myself, then doing something a little more flowy, like a, like a yoga flow or even um, 
even like a, I sometimes will put music on and I'll just like literally go dance down the street <laughs> and like, and like that also, that's also an empowering feeling too. And so it's like, I, I stopped being caught up with what other people might like see me as, or like if this looks silly or something, because then if I go do it, it, I feel the sense of like freedom and empowered a bit and I'm like yeah it doesn't matter I can go do that and dance around a little bit maybe if someone thinks it looks silly but it feels pretty good in my body right now <laughs> um yeah and so I it definitely depends on what I'm feeling um if I'm feeling really yeah really really detached um definitely it's something of I mean most physical modalities for me is uh helps me reconnect the the mind and my body um so some for some of physical um movement uh also um i mean art because of the color and to me kind of like reawakens um my 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 visual the my mind a bit um music helps bring me back um as well um it's music is a can either be a form like I can use it to fully escape or I can use it to like sort through thoughts. So if my mind, my thoughts are kind of racing and going in all sorts of directions, I have like some, some different like specific songs or things that like playlists that I like listen to that kind of help me, uh, I don't know, sort those out a little bit. And then it might spark a, a thought in my mind that I can go write it out and then I'm no longer stuck in like a, a spiral of, of this constant like thought going back through my mind. Uh, yeah. Okay. And connection with humans, connection with people's is, is number is probably number, number one. Okay. Beautiful. Okay. Um, the last topic that I kind of want to explore with you and, 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 and hear uh, your thoughts about uh, is something that you mentioned earlier. Uh, so the topic of trauma um, I'm not asking you to uh, share, you know, specifics of your story in terms of that. You kind of have already mentioned some of that stuff, right? Um, but uh, this is a topic for me. Uh, my full-time career is a is a is a high school uh, teacher, uh, so I'm becoming more trauma informed because I uh, just deeply care about uh, the students that um, are in my classroom. Uh, one of the books that I recently read, uh, The Body Keeps the Score, was a huge, um, you know, learning uh, uh, experience for me in terms of trauma. So um, I don't really know what I want to ask you, but I just want to explore with you trauma and um, kind of get your perspectives on that and how maybe you've been able to work through some of your traumas personally in your life, Sarah. Yeah, yeah. Um... Well, I love that. I love that this is a topic because it's like you said, it's 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 important. I think everybody has experienced trauma in some form or another, and it might look differently for everybody. But at the end of the day, a traumatic experience for somebody will bring on can bring on anxiety, depression, whatever it might be um, to to like their their degree of understanding. Um, and uh I've, I haven't fully read the body keep score, but I know that book and I've read parts of it. And, um, I, the phys, the way the physical things get stuck in our body is I'm, is a huge, I'm that's, 
one of the main reasons that I'm back into training too is for me that my physical or my trauma stored in my body as, as I, you know, as I was aware of it and um, uh, the physical movement was the one of the first things that I was able to really do um, before I could even look at uh, how like the emotional part of it. Like I, if I, I could, so yeah, I was, like I said, I was in, I had some trauma past call right after college, which then I was kind of told I couldn't do anything about it, uh, about, you know, I was had, there was a sexual assault and I couldn't, I was told that there was not, there's no solution really. And so I shut it down and I didn't talk about it. And then I, from there, because I, I, I thought if I don't talk about it, if I don't tell anybody, because this person told me that there's nothing we, I can do about it, then it's like it didn't happen. And so that's how I, I operated for a number of years and, and not knowing what it was doing to me physically and emotionally and mentally, but it was and thing and I could feel myself getting darker, like kind of slipping darker and darker and, and, uh, and losing kind of like the, yeah, the lightness and, and the, the, the feeling, the physical and emotional feeling that I had from like my, I don't know, peak physicality, I suppose at that time it, as a college, as a college athlete, and then shutting down this trauma and pretending like pretending like it didn't happen was then starting to come out in different, different ways in my life. Um, and and then the only way I knew how to deal with it was was to to find escapism in whatever it might be. So if at some if it was substance or substances or um, unhealthy habits or um, surrounding myself with unhealthy people, because it just fed it fed that darkness in me, and that's all I knew what to do to do at the time was was try to like quiet that down with other outside things that, uh, um, that felt good at the time, like initially instant gratification felt really good. Um, but in the long term, it was not safe or, or okay, or, um, like conducive to, you know, the life that I wanted to live for myself, but ultimately shutting that trauma down, pretending like it didn't happen, going down this like kind of path, that darker path, led me then to this relationship that was this abusive relationship because at first it was a uh, it was like oh this 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 thing is making me feel really good at first and it was hiding the pain from this trauma that I had covered up um and then I quickly realized that was going to turn into more and more trauma and it was kind of this cycle and I didn't really know how to get out of it um and and then survival mode for a long, for a number of years, um, living with like, yeah, in heightened emotion or heightened anxiety, I mean, full anxiety all the time, survival mode, um, and, but not ever being able to, so being in fight or flight, but not ever being able to flight or leave, um, then I was, I mean, for me physically, it was coming out in, I couldn't, my voice, like I couldn't talk like my voice. I couldn't really speak for, like to people very well. Um, I would get, you know, 
rashes on my hands, like unexplainable things. Like I didn't know what was happening with my physical body. Um, I was tired all the time. Um, I, I like hurt, everything hurt. And, uh, and this was even after I had left that relationship, but was still living in the same town. So my mind, I think was still not able to, uh, um, go there of, of, or like to fully open and fully accept the trauma that I had experienced. Um, so it was in denial. And I think it's cause I, I was still in the same area, was still in survival mode. I was actually out here visiting family, being surrounded by some, all these healthy, loving relationships. When I realized I can't even go back to that environment. Um, and you know, about six months later, I, I moved, uh, fully moved out to, to Colorado. Um, once I was in this safe environment and I think this is huge, I think for, for most people experience trauma, they need that sense of safety in order to, to start the healing process. So I was in this safe environment and, and that's when I had, I thought, I thought, Oh, I moved away from this. It's going to, everything's going to be great. It's going to, I'm going to have be free. I'm going to be hell. I'm going to go back to myself. I'm going to find myself again was not the case at all. Cause I was, had all this stuff uncovered, covered up issues and trauma, like parts from my trauma. But once I was finally in the safe environment, I had this flashback and it opened everything up. And then that's where my spiritual awakening was really starting to happen because it was so dark and it hurt so bad at first and I couldn't function. I couldn't live. I didn't know what to do. And, um, eventually you know, I would kind of disassociate even a t like, I remember like going for like a walk or something. And then all of a sudden I would have some anxiety, which would turn into this disassociation. And I was like, where am I? Where am I? Like, and then I would come back to, um, and uh, I, after some like enough of that, those experiences, and I got into you know therapy, went on, like therapy and work started working through things, um, and uh, and then rediscovering. I mean, I was physical movement was the one thing that was kind of I was able to release some of that trauma on, um, but I. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely it's definitely a very a, a long process. Um and uh and yeah, um sorry, my mind is kind of a little going around there. <laughs> um but uh yeah, I mean I think it's kind of along the same lines as um the mental health in our world of of people talking about trauma more and then have finding that connection point that hey we probably all have experienced trauma in one form or the other and it, it might look different but it affects us all similarly um the way we can function and the way we can help each other and and uh and and i finally i found myself just closed off because that's was a protection for me and uh and and that helped with some things, but also closed me off from all the good things as well. So I was like learning to build walls and, and not walls, it should be more boundaries, which I, then I was building walls, which felt good at first and safe, but then I was not able to connect with other humans. Um, and uh, 
after enough time of 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 some some deep self exploration and um uh some and healing um I learned that I can I can have boundaries and uh. Uh, but I can also accept people and be vulnerable and open. So I can, I can, uh, I don't have to give myself fully away or, and I don't have to, I can choose where I, I want to put my energy and I can choose what I want to, to, to tell people. But um, uh, also then the more vulnerable and open I was, the more positive I saw coming from it and just the way it could connect to other people. So yeah, it's definitely, try it's a journey and, it's, I think it's going to be a lifelong journey. Um, cause, uh, I often think of trauma for me as, uh, my trauma, like, I think it broke my soul a bit, but, um, I think then as it, my soul's like healed, there's still some cracks that like remain in it and, and triggers or certain dates or whatever might be like allow those powerful emotions to seep into my soul a little bit and 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 uh and and that's just like good just good insight to have like I know these things are gonna activate something or make me feel a certain a certain way and uh but those it does it gets I think it, it does get better with time and uh and uh, I think ultimately the end goal for me and um of for me for my life and this my spiritual awakening is to get to the point where um and that's where I feel like I'm at now is of uh being able to be of service to other people and um and and that was a huge part healing part for me too because I had it's like I have to make sense of my story and what happened what I experienced and went through um otherwise all that pain and all that all those things that happened to me. Um, like I needed a reason. I needed something to, to, to make, not make them okay. Cause the things I experienced weren't okay, but um, to give, to give a new purpose, I suppose. Um, and use that, those painful moments and those painful times as something uh, to be as a positive thing now. Um, yeah. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Have you ever uh, thought about writing a book about your story since writing is such a important, powerful part of your uh, journey in life, Sarah? I have actually. Um, I think, I, I think you should do it. Maybe 2024 is the year. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I have it. Yeah. Like a poetry type of, or letters to something type of book. Uh, that's funny. Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned that. Cause I've thought I I've done some writing on it too, like of little parts. Um, but to actually put it all together is something I'd, I'd like to be able to do. And my voice, that was the biggest part. One of the biggest parts of my trauma was some, I mean, some of my physical trauma was literally surrounding my like neck and my voice, but then, uh, or my, my, my neck and my, my throat, but uh, then I think also with like the, my, the chakra system, the energy system and, uh, and my, my opinions being shut down or whatever it might be, my voice was really cut down, cut off. And that's something I've had to work a lot towards. And to me, the women at Kalo and that community have been one of the biggest parts, help helping parts in, in refining my voice, but writing a book um, or writing 
my story in down would be a really awesome exercise of my voice too. So I love that. Yeah. I, that, I, I think that would be uh, very powerful to have your story just in writing and share it with the world. Uh, let's finish with just a little bit lighter uh, uh, topic here. And then we're going to, we're going to wrap it up. We've been going for uh, two hours. That's, that's a pretty long conversation. So uh, Denver, Colorado, I used to live there. I love it. It's a very unique uh, uh, city. I'll just leave it at that. Um, I love it. It's uh, it's beautiful. So many uh, like-minded, uh, just driven uh, people in that community, in that city and, and surrounding. So uh, is there a couple go-to places? They can be restaurants. They can be, it can be Red Rocks. It can be, you know, uh, some trailhead and path or trail, whatever. Like where are a couple of your favorite go-tos uh, within kind of Denver and the surrounding area, Sarah? Yeah. Um, definitely anywhere in the mountains. Um, last year I got back into snowboarding, uh, as I had stopped, uh, going into college cause I didn't want to get injured, got back into it last year and it was one of the most, uh, just like freeing moments. And so anytime I can get out to the mountain, whether it's to go snowboard or to, to go, uh, hike up to a lake or something, um, anywhere in the mountains, um, I, I love, um, restaurants and stuff I'm not so good at because I'm not I I don't go I don't go out out that much um but uh yeah so I'm always looking for recommendations for that <laughs> um but yeah anywhere I can be outside in the mountains um I love absolutely awesome okay uh I think we're gonna wrap it up right there uh Sarah obviously we've uh touched on a lot of topics had a per, per a very thorough conversation so um, before I do a quick outro and, and we do officially wrap it up, I kind of want to just give you, uh, you know, the platform to share any final thoughts, any final words, if you, if you have any, um, and then if somebody wants to connect with you, if they've resonated with your story or they're interested in maybe, uh, connecting with Kalo fitness and having you, uh, train them and help them work on their flexibility or whatever it might be, um, just kind of share where. Uh, people can find you, follow along, connect with you, connect with Kalo Fitness. So uh, platform's yours. Once you're done, I'll do a quick outro and then uh, that'll be a wrap. So uh, go for it if you don't mind. Yeah, um, man, I don't know if I have, I was having like words of wisdom or anything, but like, um, I, I mean, I appreciate you for, for, for creating this platform to have these conversations because I, I, like I, like I said before, these vulnerabilities and, and hearing other people be vulnerable with each other is I think the, what is how we can make sense of some of things that happen in our life and we can connect. And that is just a freaking beautiful thing. So I appreciate you for creating this platform, um, for people to come speak with, um, you and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess the best way for, to connect with me, uh, I guess, I mean, my, my Instagram, uh, is probably the best one. Um, and, uh, I don't know, I can, it's my, so it's just my name. It's Sarah S A R A last name Byers B E Y E R S is my personal one. And then, um, Kalo fitness is, um, s similarly on there is, uh, at Kalo fitness on Instagram as well. And on my, my page, uh, you can, you can, I have it tagged all over the place on there as well. Um, but yeah, if there, you know, 
that's an amazing community for, for, for women. Um, and we do do some co-ed things with some cold plunging, like hot, cold therapy every once in a while. So, you know, it's, and, and some breath work workshops with, um, that are co-ed. Um, but any, any women who are wanting to find some, some strength training and, and really focusing on more than just the physical side of it and more of, you know, finding your power within. Um, I, I'd love, I'd invite you to, to come by, check out the website um, and uh, yeah, come, come check out our community. Cause yeah, we love, we love building it and yeah. Love to connect with anybody. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, uh, thank you uh, so much, Sarah, again, for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. Um, I, I know people will listen to it and, uh, at least one person, if not uh, many people will be positively impacted. So uh, thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, you're very welcome. Uh, and then for all of you who are listening, I will have uh, Sarah's uh, Instagram down in the show notes. So you guys can just scroll down whatever um, podcast platform that you're listening to this episode on. You can just scroll down and, and find Sarah's uh, Instagram down there. I will also, uh, make sure I have Kalo Fitnesses, uh, probably Instagram or their website down in the show notes as well. Um, for all of you who are tuning into this episode of Curious and Candid, uh, I just want to say thank you so much. I appreciate all of you. I value all of you. And I'd love to connect with you guys. If you'd like to connect with me, there's a couple places that we can connect. First place is Instagram, Curious and Candid Podcast. The second place is uh, just through email. You can send me an email and reach out curious and can podcast at gmail.com. And then before you guys uh, turn off this episode of the podcast and uh, move on with your uh, day or evening, I would just please ask that you would subscribe to curious and candid on iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and review. And then if you guys are interested in holistic lifestyle coaching, you can visit my website, which is awaken training and nutrition.com. Again, Thank you so much to all of you for tuning in to another episode of Curious and Candid, and we'll catch you guys next time.